Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Pastor Paul with you on the Post-Evangelical Podcast. And as we recorded this podcast, it was January 5th. We were preparing to observe what I believe is going to be a day of sadness, a day of reflection of what happened to us in a season, January 6th, uh, a year after the insurrection when a group of people, right-wing people, many of whom were evangelical Christians, tried to overthrow democracy in America. January 6, 2021, a day when the evangelical church that had been taken over by this right-wing political thought tried to overthrow democracy in America. I think it's a day that the Christian church should have been very reflective of, should have stopped and said, whoa, wait a second, how did we get here? And I don't think they did. My friend Bob Prater, who's an awesome author and great person, is going to join me in this podcast today. And we're going to take a one-year retrospective look at what does it mean to have the Christian church involved in an insurrection, and can we look back now as we talk to Bob on this edition of the Post-Evangelical Podcast with Pastor Paul. to see you. And even though we're both smiling because we enjoy being together and having discussion as we think about the fact that we're a year removed from a near overthrow of our democratic system, it it is somewhat a day to be somber, isn't it? Uh, not somewhat. Uh, it, it's a day to truly reflect on, on where we've been. But at the, at the same time, Paul, uh, yeah, I, I I carry reflection in this hand and hope in this one. So I've still got tons of hope for. Yeah, uh, yeah I do. I do. I, I still I still always believe the best. And uh, time will tell. I've been proven wrong before, by the way. But we'll see. Well, let's let's look back at a year ago. Like, what were you doing on January 6th? And uh, do you, what are your recollections as you think about that day one year ago? Well, Paul, it, 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 like like most everybody, uh, I was glued to uh, to the media. I was glued to my television set, to my phone. Uh, I was in shock over things happening in our country. I remember it reminded me of the day that nine uh, eleven, when when we were attacked, and my entire life growing up, I was thinking, you know, we're not like other countries. We don't have violence on our shores. Right. This way. And then all of a sudden we did. And I didn't feel as safe, although, you know, it was what it was. And uh, and we we kind of reflected like we are now and we figured a way forward. We're going to do the same thing here. But that's what it reminded me of. As I saw these these people most of them super earnest and sincere in their belief because their leaders told them lies. Yeah. Um, I, it broke my heart and I realized, Hey, this is just like what has happened in Russia. This is just like what has happened in China. This is just like what has happened in every country that we have stood smugly and said, well, at least we're not them. Well, guess yeah, what? And we go monitor their elections for them and, uh, you know, all of those things because we are the piety of democracy in all the world. 
again, I think for me, and I'm just only speaking for me, Paul, uh, it's important to make difference between the leaders who incited versus the followers who responded. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you broke up just a little bit on me there, but um, so I, I always am going to blame the leadership. And when I look at evangelicalism right now, absolutely, there are leading voices who are saying absolute false things. And and I think even cynically, uh, the Republican Party made decisions in the late 70s to like, hey, we're going to do things to manipulate Christian voters so that we can, because otherwise we're not going to win any elections ever again. They, they realized that the, the Republican thinking was shrinking in popularity in the United States. So they realized like, hey, we can build ourselves around this idea of Christianity, single issue voters, uh, abortion, and we can manipulate Christian votes. So I think um, and and somehow I don't know if they did knew this purposefully or they stumbled on it by then evangelicalism marrying this with sort of this end times uh, philosophy eschatology right. uh, that then you know all kinds of conspiracy theories could be believed and you could do all kinds of manipulation on people. So I do blame the leaders, but I also at at the same time then say hey. We all have choices to make in life. We all have ways to reach out to, to different thoughts right. uh, and hear different points of view. And it's and it was it was me, Bob. I had to say, like, wow, listening to Rush Limbaugh is not serving me well. It's it's not helping. It's making me angry. It's making me angry at people. It's making me see people in black and white binary terms as good and evil. And I don't want to be that person. And so I stopped listening to Rush Limbaugh. And, and so to me, there's tons of information out there saying, hey, get, get differing opinions into your life. So, so people have got to start saying, okay, I'm going to hear other diverse opinions so I, so I know what's good and right. So uh, the blame goes all the way around. And yes, I'm kind of with you. I do blame the leaders a little bit more. Yeah, say, same here. And this, this reminds me of... A, uh, we did a Zoom yesterday, you and I. Yeah. A little, just a private thing, just to kind of catch up with each other. And uh, you happened to be in front of a painting that really, really struck me in 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 a very big way. It was it, that, that painting, which was nothing but blacks, whites, grays, off-whites, off-blacks, just... You're talking about colors, not people. Colors. <laughs> yeah, not people, colors. Um, <laughs> and they were all on the on the canvas, and and I thought it was stunning. But what I took from it was so often we get caught in this binary thinking. It's either black or it's white. You just talked about Rush Limbaugh, where we were I, I got sucked into that too when it first started, where we were told it was we we had permission to hate people who disagreed with us. All of a sudden, and that was new a little bit. I don't blame Rush Limbaugh for that, but but it was new for me. Uh, and and then to think that God must be that He must be black and white. 
Um, there's right and there's wrong. There's no in between. And and I'm telling you, we are nuanced. We are nuanced in the way we think. Yeah. And and God is too. He understands the depth. I mean, there, there's a scripture that talks about he understands who we are. He understands that we're human. We're going to make these mistakes. It's one of the reasons that 2 Corinthians 5 is so important to me where it says <laughs> he's no longer counting our sins against us. He's just done. Hey, I'm not doing it anymore. You know who counts the sins? The church. You know who else counts the sins? The media. And, and this is what we use against each other. We see people, quote unquote, that's sin. And bang, we are all over it. And and religion has certainly played a part in where we are today. And it played a part on January 6th. There's nobody that's going to tell me that that didn't have a part in it. I think it played a big part in it. Yeah. It um, I would I, I just want to, just in memory of January 6th, let me, I want to show a quick clip of, of what happened that day. And I think it's important that we play clips like this because there is a narrative playing out there of like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Oh, you know, one of our congressmen on the floor of Congress even said, it was like a Sunday tour of the Capitol. And so I think it's important that we remember that it was no such thing. So this is- Show me what that tour looked like. What that tour looked like. There it is. Sweet little tour. Blue Lives Matter, right? So that's just a little bit of a feel of of what it looked like uh, of people that I'm sure would be Blue Lives Matter flag carriers attacking police in front of our Capitol. And it was it was no Sunday tour. It was people chanting, hang Mike Pence. And, and, you know, when you think about this now, like Mike Pence is even out there now saying, oh, January 6th wasn't that big a deal. Um, when his very life was in danger. And I heard a police officer the other day saying, I risked my life to save Mike Pence from being killed in front of his children. And now Mike Pence is out there saying it wasn't that big a deal. Um, these are Christian people. Mike Pence is revered by Christians as this great Christian man that won't even meet with a woman one-on-one. If Christianity gives you permission to be that, that dishonest, then if any religion gives you permission to be that dishonest for some good end, it's not a religion worth following in my book. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and unfortunately, that's what all religions have the possibility of becoming for you. Let me interrupt this podcast for just a moment. I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Bob Prater, but I want to tell you about an opportunity to work on you and ask the question, am I happy? Am I even supposed to be happy? Are we just supposed to care about others or is it okay for us to care about ourselves? I call living in this way, the airplane mask theory of life. 
it's important that when that airplane mask falls down, they tell you to do what? Put yours on first. If you don't put your mask on first, you might not have the resources to help anybody else. It's the same with our emotional and spiritual well-being. If I'm not taking care of me, I'm not going to have resource to provide good help and support to others. It's even in the commandments of Jesus Christ in the Bible when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. The implication in that is if you can't love yourself, how can you love others? If you feel uncomfortable with the question, am I good? Do I deserve good things to happen in my life? You and I need to hang out. That's why I want you to check out Pastor Paul's coaching in my Reconstruction You coaching cohorts. We may be deconstructing some of our life, but now we're reconstructing into what do we look like in the next season of our life? What do we look like when we put on our oxygen mask and start to maintain our emotional and spiritual well-being? And I want to tell you more about it at a webinar I have coming up called, Am I Happy? Am I Even Supposed to Be Happy? You see, we have two sessions coming up in January, and I'll be telling you what it looks like to coach with Pastor Paul in a Reconstruction You coaching cohort. You can find more information at my website there, pastor-paul.com. Don't forget that dash, pastor-paul.com. And as well as being able to find out more information about the webinar, sign up for the webinar, and also uh, find out more about my Reconstruction You coaching cohorts, don't tell anybody. You'll get to visit my brand new website, which the public isn't going to know about until later in 2022. It's a little bit messy. There are still things being designed. You may find some mistakes. You may even find some broken links and you get to be my web team to help fix all of those things. And in the meantime, find out about the MI Happy webinar. It's absolutely free and you'll find out more about how you can jump into coaching with Pastor Paul for this next season. Listen, you are good and you do deserve good things to happen. Let me show you why with coaching that'll start to change your self-story, your identity, and the mindset through which you interact with the world. It can be changed. I've seen it happen for so many people in my coaching over the past few years. The stories are incredible of people who have even said, I'm working in a career that I should not be in. It is making me miserable, making my family miserable, and I'm going to change and be empowered to do what life has for me to do for my vision and purpose of life to be fulfilled. That can be your story. Let me show you how through coaching with Pastor Paul and a Reconstruction You coaching cohort. And to kick it off, join me for the Am I Happy webinar, absolutely free with no obligation coming in mid-January. Again, pastor-paul.com is the website and come join me for the webinar and let's make your New Year's resolution stand up this time. What do you say? Join me. Am I happy? Am I even supposed to be happy and absolutely free? Pastor Paul coaching webinar. We'll see you there. It's, it's like the, the great author Anne Lamott said, um, and it, this is the quote from it's the the very first thing in in the book that I that I was involved in. By the way, this this is Bob's yeah, book. That one right there. Language of Healing for a Polarized Nation. If you look in that book, the very first quote is from Anne Lamott, and it says, "When when God hates all the same people we do, when our God hates all the same people we do, we can pretty much be guaranteed that we have created God." in our image, not the other way around. Yeah. 
And when you think about, you know, there was a big Jesus saves flag that was prominent going into the into the Capitol as the as the people were storming the Capitol building. There were people out in front with a cross praying. Then, of course, crazy, you know, buffalo head guy, the shaman got into uh, the uh, was it the Senate floor he was on or the House? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. But then he stopped everybody. Wait, 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 wait. We have to pray. We have to pray. And he says this very, uh, a prayer that would fit in any evangelical church of our tradition, you and me, Bob, this very right. well done evangelical prayer, thanking Jesus for getting them illegally into the Capitol building of the United States of America. That's how corrupt. Well, not, not just getting them safely in. There were a couple of dead bodies left behind. Absolutely. And they had the temerity, the audacity to stand there and thank Jesus for allowing them to be part of those people's deaths as they completely invaded the Capitol. Yeah. Paul, this is this is as sick and twisted as any chapter of our history, maybe more so. Uh, this is way more insidious even than the Civil War because the Civil War was over one thing one issue. And it, it all came down to money, but it was slavery. And this is this for being, for being a black and white world right now, the way people see it, this is super nuanced. There are levels to this yeah. that, that go deep. And, and I'm not even sure what the answers are from here other than a complete heart change for our country. And especially, especially for the evangelical church in this country. And I don't care if you attend a church where they have not spoken against this, then chances are they might be for it. And that, that's a great point. I want to hit that. I, I, I do want to say on the, the, the Jesus saves flag made it into the building. Somebody's telling me on, on the YouTube comments up here. What flags did we see inside the Capitol that day? We saw the Jesus saves flag. We saw the American flag distorted with Trump paraphernalia around it. And what other flag? The Confederate flag, the don't tread the on me flag. And don't the, tread on the, me. The sad thing to me in, in evangelicalism of our tradition is that the Jesus saves flag and the Confederate flag now are very closely aligned together. Yeah. And and that yeah. that should be abhorrent to anybody in our religious tradition. And okay. as you said, and I think you nailed it, any particularly white evangelical church leader, and I say white as a cultural term rather than right, right. a skin tone, a, a, a culturally white church leader who's not speaking out against this, I believe is complicit to the problem. A hundred percent. And I've sat with pastors and had this conversation uh, and they, you know, and I've sat with pastors who have said, no, 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 I'm not anti this. I'm not this. I'm not for that. Well, then why aren't you saying that? Because I don't want to lose people. Yeah. I, I've got friends. Can't that, afford to lose the tithers, man. No, I've got friends across the country that, that began, uh, and I'm not going to tell you their names. People would know them, maybe. Um, 
but they began putting things online from like Marjorie Taylor Green. Oh, um, and it was Marjorie. It was, the last one I saw was a video of Marjorie Taylor Green uh, disparaging everything about January sixth, disparaging masks for COVID, um, and disparaging anyone with who she disagrees. And, and with really bold language. So I got a hold of these folks who are very, very dear to me. And I said, hey, what's going on? Well, this is what our followers want. This is, this, is what they, this is what they're asking for. And so we're just giving them, we don't necessarily believe this. And my words to them, I know we're in this whole thing of, you know, shame off of you, but shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. Not just not just for not speaking up, but for passively going along. This is how this is how Germany happened. This is how the Nazis came into power. We I, we, I, we didn't speak up. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I saw a great meme yesterday that it, it was Klansmen on one side saying, kill, you know. Kill black people. I hope I don't get my life kicked off TikTok. The same, but you know, basically kill a race of people. Right. Uh, people on the other side uh, of African American, you know, African Americans holding up signs saying "We demand our civil rights," and then somebody that had Christian written across their shirt holding up "Compromise." As I, you, you cannot compromise between those two. You know, right, right now, I hear, I hear it all the time for me. Why don't you? Why don't you critique both sides? Well, we've got one side arguing what level of service the federal government should be giving to people and another side calling the other side pedophile baby eaters. You know, there's not compromise to be had. Between it's not an equal people. argument. One of these is not like the other, right? There's That's a false equivalency to try to say, well, let's find a happy medium between the two. You know, How many of you can we execute publicly? Because I have friends, and I know you do too, Bob, who were very close friends, uh, leaders of evangelical ministries and churches who believe we're going to see public execution. Like They still believe we're going to see Joe Biden, the president of the United States, publicly executed. Executed. Uh, even even better, and I almost hate to say this, but we're going to see John McCain publicly executed. The dead John McCain publicly right. executed. Because they believe he's still alive. Yes. <laughs> uh, just like he's he's living with Elvis in Guantanamo Bay. Yes. So JFK Jr. I mean, what the what 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 the hell? Where are we? Yeah. How, how but, did this happen? L listen, my own state senator, who I love, Shannon Grove, I'll just say her name. Yeah. Uh, she's a pretty powerful politician in this state. That on January 6th, she was retweeting Lynn Wood, uh, oh who was one of the attorneys involved in all of this. Uh, she was retweeting stuff like this was not Trump's people, this was Antifa. She mm. was retweeting him left and right. And I, and Shannon, if you happen to see this, I think I've proven to you over the years how much I love you. But but you are lost if you continue down this road, just like I've told you privately. You need to listen to different voices, Shannon. So let me just say that. Sorry. I, by the way, it's a it's a nice day here because 
as of today, Devin Nunes is no longer our congressman. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, he's yeah. the president of a tech startup. Let it be. That's where he belongs. There's a bit of a wrestling match here, though, because, you know, in some ways, I think people just say, oh, you're talking about the crazy fringe of evangelicalism. That crazy fringe has become much, much, much closer to the norm than it used to be. But even, even so, I do think what we see on January 6th of 2021 are some people who have grown up in an environment where, remember, did you did you ever used to sing the song Onward Christian Soldiers at youth camp as kids? We would take that Christian flag and the American flag, walking forward down the aisle, singing Onward Christian Soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. I, we, we were taught that we are at war with the world, that the world hates us and we will be attacked and we're going to have to fight back. Don Jr., even the other day at that Nutball Center Point USA event, said, hey, guys, I know what the Bible says, but turning the other cheek isn't working. We can't do that anymore. You know, this, this is the Christian party. And, and yes, there are extreme fringes that are doing extreme things, but it is mainstream in our teaching in evangelical churches that we are at war with anybody who's not a Christian, and it gives permission to do what we saw in that video. You know, Paul, maybe it's time to redefine the word Christian. That's true. Seriously. Maybe it's time to take a fresh look at what that means. Um, because there's a lot of folks who are using that word and it's it's like that scene in the in the Princess Bride. I do not think that means what you think it means, um, <laughs> because to me, a Christian lays his life down for others. To me, a Christian doesn't seek his own way. To me, a Christian is not consumed with money and power. And yet, here we are. Here we are. It, you know, I was asking where you were on January 6th. I had been scheduled to do a live uh, live Facebook event the night of January 6th, and it had been scheduled weeks before that. And so certainly insurrection was not the topic we had planned to talk about that night, but it was an event with a, with a predominantly African-American AMC church in Wichita, Kansas. And, and I was horrified by what I had seen on January 6th. But if you remember the time, you know, we were we were in the middle of the George Floyd discussions, the BLM, you know, events, riots, even all of those things. And and so here I am on a on a podcast with three Christian African-American evangelical people. And I began to realize as because, of course, January 6th, the insurrection took over our conversation and. And I remember all of a sudden I realized like, oh, this is impacting these three people much differently and at a much deeper level than me. My, my country was threatened today, my, my ideological belief. But for them to see how white people and particularly white Christians would look at and talk about BLM, right. talk about riots and thugs and be so incensed that 
an iPod got stolen from a business and then be somewhat nonplussed about a, a, you know a, a, a white riot hit them yeah. very, very deeply. And, and no matter how hard we try to say it's not, race is at the core of this. When you start carrying around Confederate flags next to the Christian onward Christian soldiers' flags, I think we're realizing in this season, Bob, that these cultural divides, the belief that our white evangelical culture is supreme to other cultures, or that we don't even have a culture, we just our culture and everybody else needs to come into it is right at the heart of the problem of these issues. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. We will tell you what to think. We will tell you how to think. Uh, and that's what that's what's normal in this new culture. Now, I'm a big fan of empathy. I I like to say crawl inside somebody else's skin and and feel what they feel. But as as much as I try, I can't really even fathom what a person of color has gone through in this country and how they how they then process events like January 6th. Um, I would imagine it would be at a much, much deeper level because you're right. Race is at the it's 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 the center point. It has been forever. It has been forever as we as we talk about. Got a gardener coming, so oh, do you? <laughs> you're not here yet. Uh, yeah, so we we just we just continue to have our eyes open. Uh, I wish I could feel. I do my best, but I know that I'm not feeling accurately what they feel. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to bed frightened. I didn't have to talk to my children about if you're pulled over by a policeman, and and you know I've told you before I played basketball in Bakersfield California for 25 years so I was haunting the parks and the gyms and and so so many of my friends were were friends of color I don't know a single African American man with sons who did not have to have that talk I don't know a single African American man in my circle who has not been pulled over simply because he was driving while black I just don't so yeah I can talk about empathy I can talk about climbing into someone else's skin and feeling what they feel, but it's impossible to feel unless I unless I can change the color of my skin, which I can't. Um, the things that we have done in the name of religion and in the name of money and power in this country. I mean, my gosh, slavery was about money and power. Yeah. Here we go. It's always the same. Um, this is a bit of a reckoning. We're okay. Mm. That's why I have hope. Okay. Reckonings are good. Reckonings <laughs> are okay. And they're necessary. They're necessary. Right now, that's a mirror being held up to us as a nation yeah. saying, do you like what you see? And some people are saying, hell yeah, I like it. I want more of it. It's about yeah. time. It's like that guy that stood up uh, with Charlie Kirk and said, when do we get to start killing them? Yeah. When? How you and. And uh, and General Flynn then saying it's about time. It's about time. You know th- that guy was a general. Yeah, he was. Do you do you realize how important a general is and how well educated they've got to be and well versed? That's a leader. Yeah. Holy moly! Go ahead. Sorry. And those guys are sending sending the signals out. Um, it's it is. I I truly have 
And I thought January 6th last year would be a mirror that would cause evangelical leaders to go, wait a second. You know, we can make all our excuses in the world that we like Trump because we're for trade sanctions on China or we're for cutting taxes or all or the other immigration. We want to close the, the country, all the other bullshit, all of it. Um, but the truth is the heart of it, the heart of it was the protection of cultural supremacy. This, this is the Republican Party figured this out in the late 70s. We can tap into this white angst, this fear that our privilege is being threatened and create uh, something. And Trump is, is the, the de facto bastard stepchild of that movement, of that thought. And we as the evangelical church need to step back and say, whoa, wait a second. We can we can say abortion is, but but we should not want to be a part of that. No. No, we 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 absolutely 100 percent should not be. Now, can I tell you what encourages me? Not yet. I'm not ready oh, to go ahead. there yet. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, sure. Tell me what encourages you. Go for it. As as the texts from January. Yeah, that week yeah. are released. I'm seeing that crazy people, crazy people really aren't, aren't, maybe they're not as crazy as we think in private. They're publicly crazy, like Sean Hannity, like Laura Ingram. And yet I hear today, Laura Ingram was, was largely responsible for Trump pulling out of doing a press conference tomorrow uh, to celebrate the insurrection. It's not a good idea. Please don't do this. So when and, her text when her text said it's going to undo all the great things we've done or whatever, do you think that was just her playing to Trump's yes. childhood? Yeah, I, think, I think I think I think narcissism, the ego of a narcissist is different yeah. than than your ego or mine. Right. It's just not the same. And you have to do that to get your point across. I mean, it's like he finally started talking about vaccines, but he had already told people. I'm not doing anything until they acknowledge and pay homage to me that these vaccines are even here, that it was me that did it. Jeez. And Biden finally did it a couple of weeks ago. And immediately Trump went and started doing interviews. Isn't that insane? I mean, the, the level of mental illness and, and, and lack of self-awareness, I, I can't even fathom it. I've only met a few people like that in my whole life where, they they really think. Can I say this, by the way? Sure. That their shit doesn't stink. Of course you can say that. Okay, sorry. Well, I say so. We'll see if TikTok and YouTube agree. Sorry. That, you know, there's always... The funny thing is every side always takes the Bible and makes it support their side and all of these things. Uh, but I do think when we look at January 6th and evangelicalism, we can look at what was happening around Jesus in the first century. And you know what, what we know for sure is there, there were zealots. Uh, and, and the Bible talks about even, Jesus even had a zealot as one of his disciples. And, and the zealots were, can I say terrorist? Is that even fair? They, no, they, they were. They were, they were anti-Rome. Yeah. They, were, they were totally for the freedom of their homeland. Um, kind of looks like today, doesn't it? Yeah, they were they were saying we will create chaos and that will drive Rome off. Do you need to take care of your gardener? Uh 
No, but I've got something else that I've got to take care of soon. Not yet. Okay. You tell me when, and we can jump you out of the room and then you can jump okay. back in if you want. But, but so the zealots were running around trying to create chaos to, to make Rome finally say, geez, these people in this land of Palestine are crazy. We're getting out of here. And, and people are, you know, there, there was a belief in the religious system there that, yeah, this is good because God wants Rome to be overthrown so that we can make Israel great again. And once Israel is made great again as the economic and military power of the world, God's plan can move forward on earth again. So you're absolutely right. I think it's the exact same mentality as the religious exactly. system here that believes Christianity needs to be imposed yeah. to be in charge of America so that we can make America great again, whatever that means. And once America is again the greatest military and economic power on earth, God's plan will exist on earth. And, and so there is a belief that any end, any means to that end is godly. And I would say the evidence is clear. Jesus could have very easily endorsed that mindset with just, it could have just been one verse. Hey, Bob, the zealot, way to go. Great job, you know, and, but nowhere, we never see that. And, and, and Jesus always avoided those things. And, and I, I believe he was constantly saying, by serving one another, by refusing to get into that battle, by if forced to go a mile, go two, by turning the other cheek, Don Jr., you stupid bastard. That's how you overturn a despotic government, not with swords and cutting off ears like Peter no, wanted to do. No, no, no. We would crucify Jesus all over again if he yeah. came today. I mean, all over. And your your book, Joseph Comes to Town, um, which is a modern day retelling, kind of kind of hints at that. I mean, Jesus came and they wanted him to overthrow the government, just like we want him to overthrow government right now. We just want what we want. Except uh, his we, name is Trump. We, we've replaced him with Donald Trump now. We want Trump but, to be our Messiah. But here's the thing. That kind of a God, it, it's it's like, I remember one time, remember the, the movie Babe? The, the gallant the big pig. movie, yeah, yeah. Big, yeah. So the guy that was Babe's caretaker, that actor, was on, uh, yeah, he was on John Stewart or something. I forget what. But he he brought out a picture of uh, his guru. And, uh, and whoever the host was, and I'm almost certain it was John Stewart, said, how do you do that? And the actor looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, how do you get your God to pose for a picture that way? I can't get Jesus to ever sit down like that <laughs> and do that. <laughs> and I thought it was, I thought it was clever. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and he laughed too. I think his name is James Cromwell. He laughed, but uh, we want Jesus to be a trained monkey. Yeah. We play the song and you start dancing, Jesus. Come on, God, what are you doing? Don't you know? Uh, and he keeps saying the same thing that he said back then. I didn't come for that. As a matter of fact, he barely talked about the government. At one point, he called Herod a fox. Yeah. That's about as far as he went on the anti-government stuff. Every other harsh word of which there were legion were for religious leaders and yeah. teachers of the law. So who do you think he'd go after today? He'd go after the John Locke's. Uh, Greg Locke. Greg Locke. Greg Locke. He'd go Greg after Locke, Jim, yeah. Greg Locke. He'd go after he'd go after all of the crazies, Robert Jeffress. Yeah. All of them who have who have mistaken a flag for a cross. 
Yeah, Robert Jeffers had Trump speak in his church the Sunday before Christmas. Yeah, um, I think I think Jesus would say that that is abhorrent. I think there's a lot of people that have labeled themselves as something that they're really not. There are a lot of wolves running around yeah. on this earth today, and Jesus would have some pretty powerful things to say. But you know what? He's not here in the flesh, and so it's up to you and me and others who follow him to tell people what he's telling us. And uh, and guys, if, if if you're in a church where they're not talking about this stuff at all, get out. Yeah. Get out. If you're in a church where they are endorsing this kind of craziness, get out. Get out. Get out. My gosh, you don't know. Nobody is making you spend another minute in a place like that. You you just don't have to. Yeah. And I think I think you said a, a church that's not speaking against it at this point is is complicit. It complicit. is 100 <clears throat> silence. Silence is not an option here. And I don't care if you're going to lose followers. I don't care if you lose constituents. I don't care if you lose churchgoers, congregations. Um, some things are too important. This is I, that moment. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Because this, and and it's, you know, the whole thing is uh, we, we way overuse the comparisons to Germany. But, you know, if you ever wonder how did that happen? How did people get to a place where they would sit and say, Sure, let's exterminate a whole group of people. Um, when do we is, get to start killing people? Yeah. I, I mean, I even believe like the Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, you can argue self-defense and jury trials and all those things all day. I, I think there's legitimate discussion to be had there. But to bring him on the Centerpoint USA event as a hero, music blaring, his name everywhere... Why is this kid a hero? A murderer. Let me just say it. A murderer is now a hero. Uh, he went to Kenosha, Wisconsin to do damage. He wouldn't have had an assault rifle if that wasn't in his heart. And oh my gosh, his mom took him there. Yeah, you've got, you've got, there's so much of this that doesn't make sense. And I understand the law is the law and he, a, a jury found him not guilty. But we know what he did. We know what he did, Paul. And he's a hero now. And I would go... That's what sells. I would even go a step further and say, okay, even if you believe he's not a murderer, okay? Uh, somebody would say, I, uh, he's not a murderer. It was self-defense. Okay, even if you believe that, why is he a hero? What makes him a hero? And And can it be anything other than he went to a BLM event and he got to shoot two human beings with a weapon that is crafted for no other reason than killing human beings. There it is. And and you're happy that somebody from your culture, your supreme culture, was able to go shoot two people at a BLM event and walk away scot-free. There's no other reason that he's being lionized. Period. Zero. I, I agree. Yeah. My by the way, your gift with words. I just have to tell you, uh, all of your, all the people watching right now, I've known Paul for a minute, and uh, there, there are few people on this planet more gifted than Paul Swearingen. Ah, I should say that. Ah, shucks. So yeah, Christians, it is a time to be looking in the mirror. January sixth ought to be a day when we're we're taking a critical look and saying, "Wow, how did we get here?" 
Right. Is this okay? Is it okay if if I'm like, I just don't want to speak out. I don't want to upset or offend anybody. I just want to love the Lord and worship. And I don't think that, I, I think it's the blessing of the season. The blessing of Trump is you don't have that option anymore. You, you're, you're on one side of the fence or the other. That's right. And, and you're either endorsing a tacit cultural supremacy that's baked into a religion that has married itself to an ideology, or you're not for that. Right. There is no middle ground. And it really isn't. It, it's, it's disappeared. There, there may be used to be. Maybe. But this is the great unmasking. Isn't it interesting that during a season of putting masks on, an entire people group has been unmasked. Um, and not, and not all of now, that's a pretty good use of words right there, my friend. That's, that's not a, terrible, is it? That's a turn of the phrase. There I've you been, go. I've been known on occasion, uh, to come up with a, a little bit, but, um, yeah, we know who they are now and it's not everybody. I mean, let's be fair. Uh, there, there are, there are people that, that are, that identify as evangelical Christians who don't buy into this. Um, to me, it runs so deep that I can no longer identify yeah. as an evangelical. I just can't. I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. The end. And we can and we can do that do that exercise of saying yes, there are good evangelicals. I totally agree. But you know, Jesus said, "Oh, you Jerusalem, who killed the prophets." So not every person who lived in Jerusalem had killed a prophet. I'm positive of that. I don't think there were enough prophets. What he was saying is the spirit of this place is a prophet killing spirit. Right. And everybody is under its, its I start to say influence, maybe influence isn't there, its impact. It's Paul talked about not flesh and blood, but principality. Yeah. I got to run for a bit. Okay, I'll, I'll just jump back in and we'll grab you when you come back. Thanks, right, Bob. He's Bob Prater, the author of A Language of Healing for a Polarized Nation. Um, it's a really good book to pick up. It's kind of blurred out there on YouTube. Uh, my name is Paul Swearingen, and I'm the author of Joseph Comes to Town, a novel, and uh, a well-being coach and pastor. And uh, by the way, we have a webinar uh, coming up called Am I Happy? Am I Even Supposed to Be Happy? It's an emotional well-being webinar coming up here in about a week or so. And if you go to my website, pastor-paul.com, pastor-dash, don't forget the dash, paul.com, you can find out more. And so we're talking about January 6th, one year later, and how does it reflect on the evangelical church today? I love some of the, the uh, comments uh, that we're getting on both YouTube and TikTok. Uh, here's one from Margie. It says, it says in the Bible, do not get involved in foolish controversies or vain imaginations. That That is a perfect description of QAnon, is it not, Margie? And uh, end times prophetic craziness. Um, my friend Mark, how you doing, Mark? Mark says, I'm not a Christian, but I have respect for Christian tenets. What I can understand is why there aren't more true Christians speaking out against their misguided brethren. And, and that's really the point that we're trying to make today in this live on TikTok with you guys and on YouTube is why can't the evangelical church take this moment and as a mirror and say, wow, we've really bought into our cultural supremacy, that, that somehow Euro-white culture isn't really a culture. We are just what right is 
And all of you need to become us to be right. White is right, right? And, and we should be looking in the mirror and saying, no, that is not okay. That is the opposite of who Jesus is and what Jesus taught. And so, yes, the word Christian is, is a dirty word in the United States. And they're like, yes, Jesus said the world would hate us. No, Jesus said, as they hated me, they'll hate you. And the people that hated him were who? The religious establishment. The, the religious leaders were the ones that hated Jesus, not the sinners, not those people that we want to execute because we have deep, deep, deep hatred in our hearts. It was the religious people that that uh, Jesus said, they're the ones that hate me. And I'm going to tell you today, we're probably going to talk about this on the Evangelicalish podcast tonight. I, I think if if the evangelical church doesn't have some distaste for you in America, and I, I mean the white evangelical church or the culturally white evangelical church, if there's not some distaste from them towards you as an influencer, a social media person, somebody speaking out, then I don't think you're doing it right. I think somehow you're allowing them to be comfortable in what I believe is aberrant to the kingdom of God and to the teaching of Jesus. Scott says, a threat to white evangelical supremacy is the root of what disturbs the religio-political establishment. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your thoughts? Where were you on January 6th? What do we need to do? Oh, it says, I keep freezing on TikTok. I wonder why. Gosh, I'm sure sorry about that, guys. Um, sweet Josh Love on TikTok says, Christianity has just gotten really ugly. Just want to distance myself from all of that. Uh, sweet. Uh, uh, he also says, I couldn't understand the church's willingness to stand with Trump. Wife and I had not attended a church. Um, Joey, talking about Kyle Rittenhouse, says, Kyle fulfilled their dream of being heroic by killing the libs. Isn't it the truth? Christians, it's time to look in the mirror and say, what have we become? Oh, there, Bob is back with us. And I'll tell you, I have um, a copy of Letter from Birmingham Jail behind me by yes. uh, Dr. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that says, hey, I knew the Klan would do what the Klan was going to do. I just couldn't imagine that the white moderates would do what they're doing. And I think were Dr. King with us today, he would say, well, I, I knew the... QAnon extremist would do their nutball stuff. I never imagined the culturally white evangelical church would stand by and either say nothing or hedge in that direction because abortion and banning it is so important. Um, we'll wink at all the rest of the stuff. It's uh, it's insidious. Yeah, and and, and he even says in in letter from Birmingham jail uh, that that it was the silence of the white church those who privately contacted him and said i'm i'm with you 100% i just can't say anything because i'll lose people or i'll xyz he said that's the problem he said that's that was the shocking thing to him and and here we are again that that's why there's going to be churches you can go to that are going to be completely pro everything but it's the ones where they're just silent yeah and he, you know, and 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 King said, 
that the that the white moderate was saying to him, "Be patient. In time, it's going to come about." And I I do think I, I was one. I was a senior pastor of an evangelical church. You were a leader in a large evangelical church. For me, I looked at the craziness of right wing Christianity yep. uh, and the mostly you know in the Bush era and this the you know go let's go bomb Iraq. Uh, you know, and and I, I was like, okay, this isn't good that we've married ourselves to an ideology and a political party. But I thought it mostly benign, and I think that was that was being the white moderate saying, oh, it's not so bad, Dr. King. Come on, it'll work itself out. And it really was when I saw the passionate hatred that the white culturally white evangelical church had for President Obama and buying into the birther nonsense and all of that stuff that I was like, oh, this is this is not benign. This is a big, big problem. Uh, and that's been that's been borne out. It's been proven. Um, but yeah, no, that's the mindset. That's the mindset. And and I, I really appreciated again in that letter from from MLK Jr. Uh, him saying it's not my time. When is my time? When is it? Because he had been told that his whole life. Uh, so there's no time like right now. There's yeah. no time like the present. I mean, we've got, there are times in life to take things by the throat. And I don't mean to use that kind of language of violence because I'm not talking about violence, but we have got to be proactive. And the biggest proactivity we can do is just to simply speak up. Yeah. What does that look like? What do you think speaking up looks like to you, Bob? For me, like much like you being rooted in the evangelical world, it was it was everything to me. It was it was my culture, my life, my everything. Uh, when I began to speak a different word and speak a slightly different language, I still love Jesus. I still love Jesus, but I'm not buying all the rest. There have been many who have exited my life. That's that so so I would encourage anyone who's thinking about beginning to speak up count the cost it's yeah. worth it by the way yeah it's a completely worth it but you're going to get some pushback from your friends if you're in that world it's just the way it works and my you know my recommendation is really read the gospels with new eyes and start to say where would Jesus be you know it is it is the first the first chapter in, in my novel of Joseph Comes to Town came out of a real life incident where I saw this defensive marriage rally on the steps of City Hall in my city. Like the, the mayor of our city and a prominent evangelical pastor standing together on the steps of City Hall, right. begging people to vote against gay marriage, to, to, to outlaw gay marriage in the state of California. And, and then over in the distance, there was a police tape, a do not cross yellow tape, you know, that we, we see at crime scenes. Do you need to jump outside again, Bob? No, no, I'm in the end. And behind it, the, the people with the rainbow flag and the, you know, love your neighbor signs. And I just remember thinking, if Jesus were at that event, would he be on the steps with the mayor and the head evangelical pastor, or would he be behind the do not cross tape with 
uh, the LGBTQIA plus community over there. And there was no question in my mind. Yeah. I didn't have to think about it for a second. There's not a chance in damn hell that no. Jesus would have been on the steps of City Hall that day. He would have been with those people that the religious think aren't deserving of God's favor. Well, that's and, what pissed and, off the religious leaders. He hung out with those people. Yeah. He yeah. hung out. He did life with those people. So people are asking on TikTok your your name. Uh, that's Bob Prater. And Bob Bob uh, wrote a book, which we have here, A Language uh, a, a language of Healing for a Polarized Nation. It's backwards on TikTok, I know, but uh, there it is anyway. And uh, that's a great book and has been proprietor of a podcast called A Muslim and a Christian Walk into a Studio. That's it. Yeah. That's the one we're <laughs> pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's more than anything, a guy who loves people, who loves the planet, love this planet. Uh, I'm Tuesday guys. There was a song when I was a kid that was that was popular. What a man world is in. I wonder who ask me visiting them. Well, I'm not just happen to live here. This planet, I love about it. I love the people, and I love Jesus. Uh, and if that makes me an enemy of the church, so, you know, I want to just say so be it. You're breaking up on us, there, Bob. I don't know what's what's happening. I'm losing you. Are you there? I'm here. Are you? Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah. Technology. And I have gig. I'm losing him again. Ah, I hate it. Ah, he's frozen up. We'll wait and see if he can come back. You're you're just he's breaking up there. a bit. Um. So yeah, we'll get Bob back here in a second. Yeah. So this is the time, Church, to check it out. To to say, is this who we want to be going forward? So what are your thoughts? Um. Uh, they're asking again what the book was, and I'll get Bob on back on again. It's it's a language of healing for a polarized nation. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, somebody else was asking about my book. I don't think I have a copy of it within reach. Um, it's called Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong, and it's my novel of what would Jesus have to say to the evangelical church were he back with us today. And let's see if we got you back, Bob. How's your How's your internet now? I I hope it's better. I, I I was saying I pay for gig internet, which is the highest consumer internet you can get. I pay a lot of money, and it happens every once in a while, guys. This is the book, A Language of Healing for a Polarized Nation. It's written alongside Arnita Willis Taylor, who was uh, uh, the very first African American female pastor at Gateway Church in Dallas, thirty six thousand people. She has some stories in here. And Wayne Jacobson, who is the co-author of a book called The Shack. Um, I think you'll like it. It it takes on all the tough stuff. And The Shack is a little book we might have heard of before. Many of <laughs> Maybe. 24 million <laughs> sold. You might have heard of it. <laughs> um, so you're hopeful. I'm, I'm concerned that, and I never thought I would say this in my lifetime, I am concerned that democracy 
in the United States is in peril. Um, and and um, and Christianity, and particularly culturally white evangelical Christianity, is at the middle of it, right in the center of it. And and so I'm struggling for hope. My hope is the kingdom of heaven is going to advance no matter what. And a lot of people are seeing the truth, but I'm not sure our culture may not see some chaos first for us to get there. Because if January 6th doesn't wake us up to where we're going and who we are in this, but in fact, I think it's it's gotten worse. I think we're in a worse place than we were a year ago. Well, I think we are now. I, I have to push back on you just a tiny bit. Okay. Permission to push back, sir. Please push back. Okay. Um, I don't care if we lose democracy. Let me just say that. Fair enough. I'm not wedded to a political system. You know, I, I, people that know me well know that that I'm a pretty big fan of socialism anyway, um, which is not the opposite. The two of are not mutually exclusive, by the no, way. No, that's true. At all. That's true. Um, and, and I'm reminded of the scripture that says some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. So I, I, political might means nothing to me. Political might means nothing to me. None of it means anything to me, uh, because the kingdom is going to advance. It's just the way things work. There are enough people. And Paul, I see many of us and many of the people that are watching right now as like sleeper cells that have been planted on the earth that are just waiting for permission to begin to, to rise up and speak something different. Now you mean good sleeper cells, not, not good like sleeper cells. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Sleeper cells in the right sense of the, of the term. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's imperative that we begin to, to speak it within the world that we have influence, whether it's our family, whether it's a church, Whatever that, whatever that influence is, begin to be vocal. I mean, respectfully vocal, but be vocal. I, I agree with you that the that the kingdom of heaven doesn't need democracy. It doesn't need America. I mean, that's part of the problem of evangelicalism is we believe, like, what is God gonna do? I've had people say this to me, like, evil is held back by America. I'm like, what? The, we, the American military is holding back evil on earth. Now, yes, we've stopped some pretty evil people at times, but we've also been the evil. Oh, we've times. perpetrated, we've perpetrated more than more than any of us will ever know. I I my I have a pastor friend who who told me that he takes a lot of deathbed confessions. Have you ever done that, Paul? I have not. I have uh, not. So so he did. And uh and he sat with a CIA agent years ago who unburdened himself. And he said, I have killed more people in the name of my government surreptitiously than anyone will ever know. And he said, and I can't even sleep at night because I see their faces, but I did it in the name of my government. Yeah. So we know that we do things like assassinate our enemies, take out problems. Yeah. We do, we're no different than, it's a mob mentality. It's the way mobs do business. We just get rid of our problems. I remember listening to a podcast about, you know, when when we thought Iraq was weapons of mass destruction and that they were sending anthrax to our uh, oh, people yeah. and and they were manufacturing anthrax and and I heard a, a, a 
uh, it was a, a clinician of some sort in the, and he's saying, um, do you know where Iraq got anthrax? From the United States, we gave it to them. You know who the number one uh, manufacturer of biological warfare weapons are in the world? The United States, double what the whole rest of the world does combined. We are the propagators of this stuff. So I'm not saying that America, you know, I think we've done a lot of things good in the world, I think. And I, and I do believe democracy is a gift that we should fight for because it does give people a voice. And and I'm I not anti-democracy. Right. Yeah. You're just not terrified that it's the I only don't care. That can I just don't care. Yeah. The government, government stuff is secondary, although we're called to be involved in government. So yeah. But I don't I, go to sleep worrying about it. I think uh, I think Christians should be standing up and saying the laws that are being passed in state legislatures to try to make it harder for people of color to vote are anti-Christ. That are. people like your Congressman, Kevin McCarthy, who right after January 6th stood up and said, Donald Trump is responsible for this and now is trying to rewrite history. Christians need to say that is that is an abomination. That's evil. That's not okay. That's subverting yes. of the truth. It is. is not okay, and particularly from people like Louis Gohmert or somebody else that claims to be a Christian leader. Um, we, so I just think at very least in our own conversations amongst each other, we have to say this stuff is not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And, you know, you mentioned Robert Jeffress having Donald Trump in recently. There's a, a very large church in my city a very large thousands. And Kevin McCarthy spoke there on a Sunday morning during the holiday season. Mm. I cannot even imagine. And, and I'm positive that the leaders of that church thought nothing of it, nothing, because it's just business as usual. And uh, it's insidious the way that we have allowed this to happen. Mm. Insidious. <laughs> I guess I look at people like McCarthy and just say like, when do you get to that point that you will you will bend down and kiss the ring of a man like Donald Trump? It's it's just, you know, how do you get there? What's the pathway to there? Is is power so important? But it's pretty intoxicating. On the hopeful side, yeah, I would say Christians, let's just take this as a moment to say, is this who we're supposed to be in the world? Can we read about the story of Jesus and say yes? he would give endorsement to what we're doing? Or is it time to say, let's look at a different way to live? Like maybe maybe we care about people after the umbilical cord is cut, not just before, you know, just some things like that. Kind of elementary stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Just think if we would have had a teacher that said, love your neighbor as yourself, wouldn't that have been awesome? I wish we had just had something like that. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> it, it truly is. I, I truly am getting down to that very basic, that the command of the Bible uh, is, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then told the parable of the Good Samaritan that said, hey, that person that you think of another race, religion, culture, that you don't think God likes, that's your neighbor. And how you love that person is how you demonstrate your love for God. That's and if it. you can't love that person, 
sacrificially, then you don't love God, period. He made that statement, by the way. He told that story after being asked by a teacher of the law, an expert in the law, trying to trip him up saying, oh, really, who's our neighbor? And he didn't answer. He just told the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, here's what I do. When I read that, I read it as the good Muslim. Mm -hmm. I read it as the good gay guy. I read it as the trans. Anyone that we want to demonize. The good Planned Parenthood director. Thank you. Good. Uh, the good Democrat. How about that? In, the, in those days, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In those days, Samaritan was, I mean, it was it was a curse to be a Samaritan. I mean, they were the they were the the evil stepchildren of Israel. Sort of them and sort of not them. You're not really us. Yeah. And so when I look at my friends who are Muslim, when I look at my gay friends, when I look at my trans friends, this is where this is where my mind goes. The the good homosexual. How about that for a story? How about that for a story Jesus might tell? Because I think he might tell it that way today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So January 6th is tomorrow. It's a year since the Christian right tried to overthrow our country. Uh, fortunately, they failed. Uh, but there is concern that next time around, they'll have removed the mechanism that caused it to fail. Right. And and they may not fail the next time. Uh, they might not. And I, I really believe we have a political, an American political party that's that's trying to put mechanisms in place to be a minority ruling party in our country. Um, that if it were happening in an African nation or a South American nation, we would be going down there and putting pressure on them to change what they're we doing. We would send troops in. We would. Yeah. And yet it's happening here. And we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. Not even close. Not That's even okay. close. That's okay. What a ride. Yeah. So Christians, we encourage you to think, is it okay, particularly white evangelicals, are, is it okay to be in a belief system that we are the cultural supreme culture and all need to join our culture to be acceptable? Right. And is that okay? And to have that belief system and then marry it to a political party with some justification of banning of abortion as as our the thing to placate us and help us to sleep at night while we vote evil incompetent people into office is it okay yeah let's take this hold on tight take this anniversary to think and be introspective